Welcome to the Birth Warrior Podcast. In each episode, we feature the stories of birth warriors, women who have persevered to find their own truth in pregnancy and birth. As you hear these women share their stories of love, autonomy, connection, and power, it is our deepest wish that you will be inspired, empowered, and supported to find your own truth. We are honored these women have stepped forward to share their personal stories and to help us remember that we all have the power to choose what is right for us. The Birth Warrior Podcast is a presentation of the Indie Birth Association and is not intended to be medical advice. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Birth Warrior Podcast after a brief hiatus so I could finish midwifery school. Um, I am your host, Jaden Graham, and I am so glad to be back with you in this space today. And on this week's episode, we have Afanasia. Being initiated into motherhood with empty arms, Afanasia used her shamanic yoga background and spiritual connection as a psychic medium and energy healer to dive deep into the healing journey her sweet daughter, Sage, brought into her life. Surrendering, accepting, and allowing the sacred relationship of mother and child to unfold as the universe would have it, not as Athanasia desired it to be. She also added that to help support her process of grieving for her daughter Sage, Athanasia turned to bereavement groups, and it was hearing other women's stories of healing and grieving that gave her the strength and courage to discover a unique relationship with her daughter on the other side. And if you or a loved one are currently going through the journey of infant loss, Athanasia has graciously shared with me links to the bereavement groups that helped her, which will be linked in the show notes on the Indie Birth website specific to this episode. And I personally also wanted to give a very, very special thanks to Athanasia for allowing me to record her and Sage's story and allowing me and trusting me to hold space for her in this way. Thank you so much. And here's the episode. Afanasia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. And um, wherever you would like to begin your story. Um, so I feel like I need to begin in India as um, two years ago, I went to India on a spiritual uh, yatra, uh, running a retreat Um with a group of people. And I didn't know I was seeking information probably my whole life until I met this one guru in this uh, sacred village called Vrindavan. And his son, just uh, probably about six years old, comes up and just exuberant with life. And you could like in his eyes, just see how wise he is. And um, somehow the group kind of wandered in front of us and, and I was able to walk with this guru and speak with him. And somehow we started talking about his son and he started revealing to me the ancient practice essentially, uh, called Garba Sanskar, which, um, means womb imprints. Um, what we would call now, I guess, um, is coming out a little bit more in, in, 
at least I'm hearing it more, is conscious conception. And every bit of me was just like, this is why I came to India. <laughs> I needed to hear this and the practices and the different rituals in preparation to consciously conceive. Um, and it, it, it was just a, a magical experience. And, and I brought it home. I, I found more information on it and um, had met my partner a few months after that. And we were speaking about uh, consciously conceiving and, and uh, the road was going in that direction. And, um, and we conceived. And, and that was in and of itself just a, a really uh, beautiful and sacred blessing. Um, excited, scary, all of the things still, at least for me, just in, in the sense of like getting conceiving and, and getting pregnant felt really a lot of things a lot of things were coming up um but that's when the universe just works such mysteries and magic all the time that I didn't know again I was seeking more information on this journey um because I thinking about giving birth in a hospital just did not sit right in my soul it did it felt very weird i had the the beautiful honor to be in the hospital room when my my sister birthed um my nephew and it was such a beautiful experience as far as the witnessing of that of the magical event but everything about the environment in again in my body i was just like i i don't like this i need i need out of here and and just even in my own head like uh I can't, I, I don't know where I would give birth, but it's not here. It's not with these lights. It's not with these people. It's not in on this bed. Like it just, it was not, <laughs> nothing. I was not about it. Um, so then um, on Instagram, ironically, I was scrolling past and one of the ladies that I follow in, in our community um, was talking about how she uh, gave birth at home with her husband in the bathroom. And, and then was giving shout outs to Indie Birth and to Marin. And I was like, what, what is this? Wait, 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 she's at home. Like how did she, she shared the whole story and it was just, it opened up my eyes to this possibility and this just a new avenue. And um, so I, I headed over onto the Indie Birth uh, hashtag or the, the handle and the, found my way to the podcast and just started really just absorbing everything that I could and immediately knew that I needed to meet Marin. I was like, I need to, I need to meet her. I need to, I need, this is, this is, this is right for me. This is what I want. And um, as far as creating my, my own or our own birth experience and, um, and, and, all the while um, doing as much of the prenatal as possible um, on my own at that point. I had met Marin and then that's when um, I live in, in Southern California, we drove out to Sedona and uh, she had suggested a, a doula that was in her doula program here in LA. And at first I was a little hesitant, um, just, I'm not sure why I had some reservations around that, but it was just, um, she connected me with uh, Maira 
And and right when Maida and I started exchanging emails and then connecting, it was just, it was another, oh yeah, this is right. This is a hundred percent right. Mm-hmm. And um, because of my family background, my family background is Greek. We were a very traditional Greek family. And I was receiving a lot of uh, pushback and, and pressure from my family of wanting to not only home birth, but as much of a free birth as possible um, in a home setting. And there was just a lot, a lot of ancestral stuff was coming up. Um, my, my mom had uh, two miscarriages and a stillbirth before she had me. And my, um, my great grandmother on my mother's side had seven, uh, yeah, seven stillbirths and um, five births where one of the ch- uh, children passed when he was one years old. So it was, it was bringing up a lot on that side. And then it also brought up a lot on my father's side um, where he was born in the village, in the home, um, in their home. There wasn't um, hospitals then. And um, just the hearing of the stories of the grandmothers and, and all of the things that they were going, that they had gone through and that my parents, you know, our family still carries um, is a lot of, a lot of fear around loss and losing a child or, or, or just um, my grandmother on my father's side um, died after giving birth to um, her, her brother. So uh, she was actually grew up an orphan, you know, so there was, there was an actual death after birthing um, on my father's side. So my father was very, very fearful of, of this choice. And um, it, it, what I was able to do that felt, felt good for me to not have so much pressure and so much um, pushback from my family was agreeing to hire uh, a licensed midwife. And I was still hesitant because uh, um, working with Maida, you know, talking about understanding even more what that meant, what does licensure mean? And, mm-hmm. and especially when it was coming up about like the 42 weeks protocol and especially in the state of California, you know, I was, I did not want to have to be, induce like I just I didn't want all of these confines and restrictions I wanted it to flow as as it's you know as it was supposed to flow or as it I was thinking it was going to flow absolutely Um, I just wanted to interject here mm -hmm. for anyone that's not in California or even that is um with a licensed midwife um according to the law here at 42 weeks um the licensed midwife as per her licensure is required whatever that means to uh, (laughs) transfer her client to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So when I spoke, I spoke to Maida about it and then I I had a conversation with my midwife. um, And, and this is where I could feel her sincerity. I really could. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and because there uh, not discrepancy, but she goes, we can fudge a little bit on the time of conception to push back. She goes, I, I respect your your wishes and you didn't do anything. There's no documentation of your time timing. So, you know, so 
that made me feel a little bit comfortable, but still like there was something just in the back of like, but, but what if like, you know, like all of these things, I just, um, as I was learning about the different uh, protocols that she's really uh, under, it was like, oh, I just don't want to have to, in case we get to that point and then we're there, I don't want to have to worry about that at that moment. I just don't want to have right. to think about it. Right. And was she was she very vocal when you had any meetings with her that she is very by the book? Uh, no, she she okay. yeah she. It seems that she's. Again, I don't know her very well, but at least in those right. few times that we met, that it, it she did make me feel comfortable as far as hearing me and. Um, in, in, in some way, you know, like, uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to be, I guess, politically, politically correct. I don't want to be put somebody like super on, right. on blast, but there was, mm-hmm. there was some things like the, the Doppler, for example, I, I, I didn't realize she was going to go right in and do a Doppler heartbeat because I didn't want that. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of jolted me in that moment that I was like, wait, is that's not a fetoscope and it like clicked after so it was that you know those little things that um I just feel like the support that I had um from Marin and from Maida as far as like really explaining things way before it was even time to do things you know so that I can know what what was happening um that's that would be like a, a complaint that I would have um, in the sense that it, it was not one of my, my preferences. Um, but it was also in hindsight, part of the journey. It was very much necessary uh, because to hear, to actually hear her heartbeat was just, it was magical. It was for mm-hmm. sure magical. Mm-hmm. And, and it also helps me remember that it was real, you know, that it that, um, she, she was real. She is real. Um, because that was around 20 weeks and I run, um, I run yoga retreats. I run shamanic yoga retreats and I had two scheduled at the end of January and the beginning of February, uh, out in Joshua tree. And at that point I was starting to, I was in my second, um, trimester and I was starting to feel a little bit quote unquote, like back to normal. And I was thinking this is, it was kind of like what people were telling me, like, oh, don't worry. Once you get into your second trimester, you're going to feel, you're going to feel good. You're going to, you're going to love your second trimester. And my energy levels were kind of coming back. I was, you know, it was just, if something shifted and I didn't think too much of it. Um, and, and I kept moving forwards and I, uh, actually skipped my, my February session with, um, my, my midwife. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had my, my, uh, session with Maida, my doula a couple weeks later. So in my mind, I was like, Oh, I'm going to see Maida. So it's not, it's not too big of a deal. Mm-hmm. So, um, when I did meet up with Maida, um, and she was, you know, just checking and talk, we were talking and she was, you know, trying to use the fetoscope and, I could feel a little bit of some just reservation, something that she goes, so she's like, I, I can't really hear it. And, and, you know, she was saying how she's still studying and kind of like putting, placing, not placing blame, but kind of just saying like, oh, it's maybe, maybe I'm not hearing it because of this. 
Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you know, a, a little bit naive, like, okay. Um, but then I kind of felt like, I don't know. And then she, and she was really asking like, you should be really feeling a lot, like way more movement now. Mm-hmm. And that also kind of got me, I was like, uh, I think I've, I've, I felt like all of a sudden I was like, shoot, am I not paying attention? Am I not? Cause I definitely remember the fluttering, you know, I felt, felt I remember that, but then at some point it, I, I didn't really feel it that same way. And again, I, I wasn't really, I guess, paying attention to it. I'm not sure what it was other than it's just how, how it unfolded. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess a little bit too, kind of like being happy, like, oh, I can kind of do my regular things. <laughs> like I can, okay, um, this this is cool. I really like this second trimester thing that people are talking about. Yeah. Um, How but many then, weeks, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. How many yeah. weeks at that appointment? Um, uh, how many weeks were you at that appointment yeah. with Maida? Um, I was 26 weeks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was 26 weeks. So that got me really concerned. Uh, you know, and I didn't want to express so much concern um, externally, but internally there was a lot of concern, and I was like, okay. And um, my my thoughts for some reason didn't go to the extreme, maybe because I it would have been too hard to go to the extreme at that point. Um, but one of the the blessings that my my midwife did give me, because I had told her I didn't want to get any um, any sonograms but she did offer she's if you do i have um a friend that does it on her lunch break she's specialized i forget the name of it but she specialized in a specific way to do the sonograms where they don't she knows where the baby's head is and doesn't um, hit the baby's uh, nervous system and spinal cord um she goes if you ever if you ever want the information so i requested the information because i i figured like okay what the heck let me let me it'll be cool to get one picture and not really a super conscious thought of I'm going to go see if this baby is alive. But um, I guess subconsciously, that's definitely what was there. Because, again, I, I'm not sure uh, why. Uh, I do know why it was so scary because it's painful. Um, but I I went. I went by myself because I wanted to surprise my family, my partner, Um and so at this point I was, yeah, I was in the middle of my 26 weeks and um, we go meet this wonderful lady. She takes me in, she starts, um, you know, doing the ultrasound and, and I'm just looking at the screen. I'm like, I can't really tell. She's not really saying anything, but moving around kind of a lot in what I thought I was like, oh, she's moving around a lot. Um, and it was kind of, and then it just kind of got silent, like just. And she just goes so lovingly and heartfelt and in a way that I don't know how one could say this to somebody you just met in this circumstance, but uh, I'm sorry, I can't find a heartbeat. And that's where time just stopped. It stood still. And this wasn't my thoughts, but what words came out of my mouth in which I needed to hear in that moment was God works in mysterious ways. And, and then it was like time started again. And I just started grieving 
in a way that um, is is shocking, is is primordial, is um, so deep inside of the heart that I still didn't even really understand what happened. Like I, I obviously was in in grief, but I couldn't comprehend it. I couldn't. It was like, wait a minute, what? And then and then, as she was saying, she goes, you know, the baby looks about um 20 weeks from the size as she goes said 18 19 20 weeks she couldn't tell exactly but and then again that's where i was like we heard the heart you know we heard the heart you know it was just it was a lot of a lot of thoughts a lot of everything as time stood still it was like the opposite happened after that was like time started whirling (laughs) around me and um uh, she was, you know, super lovely. And because she was friends with my mid- midwife, she had called her directly. And um, and I get in the car and I called my partner and uh, he he went into an immediate uh, emotional release as well and concerned about me driving. And, and then my, my midwife had called me and um, could feel and, and hear her sincerity and and just uh, I couldn't speak at that moment but she she was gonna she said she would send me information about like next steps and and I have choices and things like this mm-hmm. um but I, you know it was just yeah driving back to Orange County because that was a little bit of, away from my home was just kind of it was like a, I can't even describe it to you, Jaden. Really, like I don't know how to describe it. Um, and I think this is actually the first time that I'm talking about that specific part of the story, um, because it's it's almost like I was in a time capsule as well. Like um, even like really grateful for for Maida too for you know kind of having that inkling, kind of just like, you should be really feeling, you know, a lot of movement by now, you know, and and that's just kind of like having that little bit of a, a intuition or suspicion, you know, I think maybe eased a little bit because that was like the confirmation of going there and then driving home. Um, so I, we, my partner and I had chose to meet at my parents' house and, um, you know, and it, ironically, it was the same day that my best friend had um, scheduled a cesarean for her daughter, you know, and, and that was another hard, hard thing to even, I would, in the morning, I was so excited. Her her little girl's coming. I was, you know, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go get these pictures. Like, and then in the afternoon, it was just like, I'm gonna remember this day forever now. Like, I'm gonna remember it already. But now it's like, it, it was just another layer to the story that was just like, whoa. Um, and um, just just to tell people too is so heart wrenching and. Um, that's where as a mom, like to, ooh, 
feel like you let other people down too, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, like, I know that's not true, but for some reason that's in there. Um, and I really did my best and thank, thank goodness that um, I have a really strong support team and, and um, my teachers and just how earth angels came into my life in that following uh, those following days to help prepare me as well. Um, and to, to help remind me that it's not my fault. It, my, my choices, everything that it, nobody ever like said anything to me, like, Oh, you were choosing to remain as plant-based as possible. You were choosing to do your own prenatals, you know, like they didn't place blame on me, but that, was like naturally the thoughts that were coming up then like, oh my God, I didn't eat eggs. I didn't, I didn't go to the doctor. I didn't, you know, mm-hmm. all of these things that I would have wanted to blame myself and um, had to keep coaching myself, I had to keep bringing myself back to center. And those words that, you know, God works in mysterious ways that I had to keep remembering that almost like a mantra Um, because then my thoughts started going into, why are you still in me? Like, why, why are you not, I I, I don't know exactly how long you've, you've not had a heartbeat, but you need to, you need to eject, you need to come out now. And then almost getting a little bit like that fear of like, okay, now my, my life may be in danger. If, if anything gets into my bloodstream, like, and almost getting a little bit, uh, angry or upset like you need to go you need to get out now um so it it was it was a very interesting few days because this is right when COVID started happening and um this is where it's interesting my mom's stillbirth that she had right before she had me she was of course planning a, a hospital birth and right around the same time she um, she felt she knew exactly when um, the baby the baby um, crossed over, and she went to the doctor, and the doctor you know confirmed it. And and her doctors back then said, "We're not going to do anything because you're so far along. Your body's going to naturally um, release it." And so they sent her home, and and sure enough, she she did, and she she delivered in in the toilet in the bathroom with my dad and and that and hearing her story um and and speaking with my midwife with with Maida um and because of covid situation too it felt i felt like i wanted to be in the hospital um and it, it just if it, it was such an interesting turn of events that um it, it was just it was so interesting how that that changed and that that shifted and I felt completely in my power in making that decision I felt I felt like it was exactly the right decision to make and um and yeah it moved forwards into into going and meeting with the doctor and and the little signs, right? I had um, 
I put on a, a tiger's eye bracelet that morning when I went to go meet him. This is now about five days after I found out because he was traveling internationally. He needed to quarantine. And so, um, yeah, it was about five days after I decided to wear a tiger's eye bracelet to the appointment. And sure enough, um, the doctor was also wearing a tiger's eye. And we started talking about tiger's eye and I felt more comfortable talking to him. And um, he really, he was really kind and gentle and he specializes in how they call it in the medical world, fetal demise, which is such an interesting term. Doesn't feel right for me, but that's, you know, he said he, that's his uh, kind of his niche. And, um, and it also felt comfortable with that too. And just the, the next phase of, of getting, um, inducing the labor, um, we set that up to induce the labor and kind of just the process of, of going through that experience. And um, Maida was unfortunately not able to be present at the hospital because uh, she had some family things going on. So it was, it was just me, uh, my mom and my sister, one of my sisters was able to come. And, um, you know, it's like as much as as much as everyone helped prepare me and I absolutely needed the preparation, it's still such a, uh, in hindsight and remembering that those hours, um, that the labor part didn't feel so much grief in the sense of, um, I guess, conceptualizing what was going to come next. Um, it felt like I was laboring. It felt like I was riding the waves and going through the waves. And another thing that I was very resistant to was epidural. I was like, I don't want an epidural. I don't want it. I don't want it. And um, my my contractions were just coming back to back. Like my sister was watching the monitor and it was just kind of coming back to back. I wasn't getting very many um, breaks. Um, they had administered, um, I forget the name of it, but it's a pill that goes into the uterus. Um, they administered it like four, four times at that point. Um, Cause I was laboring for about, uh, um, yeah, I was laboring for about 12 hours already. Um, and my mom, when the nurses kept on coming in and they were so kind, they were just like very, it, it felt so sweet to be in that environment, unlike what I had felt with with um, my sister. And again, they had they prepared the room because they knew it was scheduled. Uh, of course, they knew the circumstance. Um, some of the nurses that did come in though to draw blood and do different things didn't see, they put, or at least in the hospital I was in, they put, um, I think I think, little wing, angel wings outside of my door so that the, anybody coming in would know um, what I was experiencing, what I was going through. Um, but one, I remember in particular, one lady came, they, I just felt like they kept on wanting more blood and more blood. I, that was very bizarre to me. And, um, she goes, and and so what are you having? Like just 
and then I just that's one part I I lost it I couldn't even um yeah I lost it in that part um so around that those 12 hours my mom said you know when the nurse came in and asked if I did want the epidural she she really just said you know you don't have to go through all of this pain you know you really don't um and so I, I agreed to the epidural and I I really, I don't like it. I don't, but I, I now know why I needed it because to get an epidural, I had a, I had a, a, I had a prejudice or I had a judgment to it. Like, oh, getting an epidural, you're not really, it's not a natural labor. It's not a natural birth. Like uh, in some ways uh, to be very, honest, I had this judgment like, oh, it's not a, you're not a real woman. That's too weak, you know? Um, and just going through the epidural, that's so much courage. In my opinion, anybody that gets that now, I'm like, more power to you if you Absolutely. can do that. Like, oh my gosh, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like feeling it hit my nerve and all, just all these things that, and, and not having access to my legs and then I didn't know I was going to have to have a catheter after. I was just like, wait, what? I can't go to the bat. Like, I can't move. Oh, wait. Like, I was like, I don't like this at all. And my mom could see. I was like, I don't like this. And then I was still feeling the contractions on my right side. And my nurse was like, you, sh- you shouldn't be. You- that's impossible. I'm like, am I having a contraction right now? Because I feel one. And she looks. She's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so it was like probably it went to the wrong or like went to more on one side and just it took about an hour or so to even like kind of get comfortable to kind of be able to sleep and kind of relax um but you know I know it was absolutely what I needed to experience what what was supposed to happen um, because it gave me so much more understanding for for all women you know and just like it really doesn't matter where you birth, how you birth, you're still going through some kind of process, some kind of deep initiation for your own journey. You know, it's such a sacred experience. And, um, and finally, like, like I said, after that hour, and I was able to like, kind of sleep a little bit, and um, the nurse kept checking in on me, she administered more medicine. And, um, in the afternoon, my mom, my mom came, like comes to the bed and, and then we just started talking. Like just, I don't even really remember what uh, Jaden, it was just kind of like, just felt kind of sweet, like whatever we were talking about. And at this point, I don't know why they don't offer food. Cause that was another thing. Like I was like, I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. <laughs> like, um, finally at this point she goes okay now we can offer you some jello some I forget what else and and then she said broth and I was like do you have vegetable broth and she's yes and I was like oh my god vegetable broth like I just needed to be warm I was so cold for sure um and she brought the broth and and me and my mom were talking and I was sipping on the broth and I can't verify this for sure but I feel like because the warmth in my body and especially like in my tummy, you know, and just getting warm from the inside out, I feel like probably relaxed my uterus. 
um, because then I, I like didn't, right. You're, I was numb, but I felt something almost kind of like an inkling of like what I thought maybe like period blood, kind of like when you feel your period blood come kind of come out, like it was kind of like that. I, I felt, mm-hmm. um, I was like, Oh mom, I think something came out and she, she goes and she lifts the thing. And that's when she goes, Oh, Oh, yep. Oh, yep. There, there, there it is. I'm going to go get the doc. I'm going to go get the, the nurse. And, and she, she leaves the room. And at this point, my sister had already left. So I was, I was alone and I wanted to see the time. So I looked at the time it was two forty-five, and, and again, it, it felt like time stopped, like timelessness, just, and it felt like this time, just like light, like white light energy, like a lot of just grace and just like, I didn't hear noise. Like I was just in that timeless space. And then, and then they came in and then, you know, the, the nurse gets, gets the, gets everything and starts to, you know, goes and gets the doctor. And, and that's where it just like, all this grief starts coming up and um, just a lot of pain, just a lot of pain. Um, and, and, you know, the doctor comes in, checks me, everything came out just fine. And, um, and, you know, the, the synchronicity with the doctor wearing the tiger's eye was one thing. And then when he came in, um, in the hospital, he was wearing a, a lime green, turquoise which are some of my favorite colors turquoise and lime green Mm. and there was a unicorn on his like left chest kind of thing I was like is doctor is that a unicorn Mm. and he goes yeah and he turns around to his back he goes it's for the Boston Marathon it's it's their theme or something it's their like emblem a big huge unicorn and I'm shocked like wow okay yes, this was all perfect. You were supposed to be my doctor that everything is so perfect. And my mom even was like, you don't even know what that means to her. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and then he, you know, everything was good and fine. And the nurses wrapped her up and, and then I couldn't, I was almost, almost in a sense, rejecting her because I couldn't receive her um, because of my mind didn't want it that way, right? I, I didn't want it that way. Um, but my mom was, you know, staring at her in, in the little thing that they had there. And she looked at me and she goes, is it okay if I hold her? And, and she said it so, so sweetly and, and genuinely. And, uh, and it, you know, I was tearing and I was like, yeah. And just watching her hold her, it gave me so much more courage to hold her. Um, and and my good my best friend had come right after every like timing and synchronicity is just such an interesting thing because she came right after that and and the, the more support I that was there I like had her next to me I even had her I was able to hold her finally and we got a couple hours together um but that's where that innate i felt like it was an innate feminine or that female uh i don't know what it is a desire longing 
to hear my baby cry. I was like, why isn't she crying? Like just wanting to hear her cry. Excuse me. And um, and one of the, the earth angels that, that I was connected to right before this, who had a very similar experience about 30 years prior, who prepared me and she said, everything's gonna be very hard, but one of the most, the, the hardest thing is gonna be when you leave the hospital and you can't take your baby. And as that time was coming, um, I didn't want to leave. I, I didn't want to let her go. And uh, I just wanted to take her with me. Um, and that was the hardest part, was leaving. Um, and yeah, it's almost like in some ways, I think that's probably unconsciously why I held on to her physically in my womb because I wanted to keep her there at least if she wasn't gonna be here in person I could I could have her in me and, and feel her that close um, but it's um yeah that's why I call it ecstatic grief because the journey of grief doesn't have to be so black. It's, it's dark. It's absolutely dark. It's just like the night, but it doesn't have to be so heavy, at least in my opinion, um, because grief is love. It showed me how much a mother can love and does love and will always love. Um, and that I'm so thankful that I have, uh, my, my spirituality is, is a shamanic path, is an Ayurvedic and a yogic path that gives me a spiritual connection to the universe that if I didn't have that, I know I would have probably been lost. I probably would have, um, reverted back to very old behavior patterns to suppress and numb and escape. Um, but I, I chose to experience all of it as going through the fires of life, as going through the initiation doorways into motherhood without a baby in my arms, um, with a baby on the other side, a spirit baby that is my greatest teacher. That's why her name, she named herself Sage. Um, she is a sage and she's my, my greatest guide now. And I, the more that I communicate with her now, the more that I honor her now, this is why I shared her pictures. She wants to be seen. She, she, she is me and I am her and, and I, I, I live here in this world and, and she's on the other side guiding me and there's, there's almost no way that I could, 
really honor our relationship without sharing how much she is still a part of my life and will always be a part of my life. And when I do conceive again, that she will be my children's bigger sister, you know, and that it's very important for me to, to honor her and her wisdom and, and our truth together, because um, it's, it's the only way I think I can live really. Um, it's such a, a, an immense love and grief for sure, but it's an immense love that she's showing me how the relationship is in this form that again, like I, my ego human side of me goes, but I want to hold your hand. I want to, I want to smell your hair. I want to, I want to, you know, all of these things that I, I would want to do. I want to teach you how to color. I want to, you know, take you to these places. Um, I've been doing that myself and, and asking her to join me painting and singing more that even though I would want the physicality of her around that to do these things, I've learned this year in this grieving process that I absolutely can still do that. I absolutely can trust that even if I can't see her or or feel her exactly or really know if she's around, I can still ask her to come. I can still ask her to give me advice, to to paint with me, to to do things with me, and to help guide guide my way. Um, another thing that really helped me is in the in the yogic and Ayurvedic lineages, they believe that that uh, the baby spirits, uh, souls that incarnate just for a specific period of time in general are wise ascended souls, but also more specifically souls that, that gestate for only a little bit and, and decide to go back home, that they are really the teachers, that they really come for some type of healing, awakening, and, and to hear that knowledge and, and to hear that wisdom, it really speaks truth in my heart because I feel like that's what she gave me, um, gave gave a lot of people, my family and a lot of extended uh, friends, family, clients even, that um, in this healing process, you know, they, they say like, oh, Sage gave me a message or I, I burnt Sage today and, and it's just... It really warms my heart to hear it, you know, um, that she is she is so close, uh, even though can't touch her. She's still around. Mm -hmm. mm. Wow. I will be sitting with all that for the yeah, for the night. Um, just, you know, thank you so much for just sharing that story and sharing just being so open about about your um about sage and just uh you know allowing me to to hold space for that story i really appreciate that mm -hmm. thank you so much um, thank you thank yeah, you Jaden. absolutely um and athanasia i i was wondering is there anything that you would like to uh just any departing words that you would like to leave um our listeners with Oh, 
that the word that comes is trust, trust your heart, trust your choices, and uh, trust the journey. The universe always, always will take care of you no matter what unfolds. Beautiful. So beautiful. Thank you. Thank Mm -hmm. you so much again. Yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for listening. Storytelling is a profound agent of change, one that has the ability to plant seeds of inspiration, introspection, and beyond. If you have an empowering birth story that you would like to share on our podcast, please head over to IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior to send your submissions. That's IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior. Hope you have a beautiful week wherever you are in the world. Until next time, friends.